welcome to All the WrestleManias, the podcast where two librarians are trying to watch all the WrestleManias and some other stuff in between and obsess over it. I am your co-host, Rich, but Tim, who is normally here with me, uh, is somewhere in the Caribbean celebrating his wedding anniversary with coconut drinks and dodging hurricanes like a, like a normal human being does instead of sitting at home and watching old NWA tapes from 1989. I want to welcome you back to round two of classical music and professional wrestling. Uh, I had received enough positive feedback about the first one, which, if you haven't listened to, is available now on our website, allthewrestlemanias.com, and in our back catalog in the podcasting app of your choice. Uh, In that episode, I gave a deep analysis of Pomp and Circumstance and how it fit Macho Man, how the Great Gate of Kiev put Jerry Lawler over the top, and how Chopin completed the Undertaker's gimmick. Also, we touched on how Richard Strauss perfectly described Ric Flair 50 years before Ric Flair was even born. It's amazing. If you're new to the show or not paying much attention, you may not know that I write all the music for this show, from the theme to the in memoriam and the news break little jingle thing. Um, Yeah, so I write all those just because, you know, what else am I going to do with my time? Anyways, um, our theme song, if you have been listening for a while, has evolved over time, and sometimes those there's variations even, uh, such as uh, when we did the Monday Night Raw episode, uh, where we talked about the first two episodes of Raw, I mixed up our theme to kind of sound like the the original Monday Night Raw theme. There's the classic rock cover, there's some others out there. And uh, my wife recently asked me why I don't move on and write something else instead of using all this creativity on all these remixes and variations. And I, I didn't have a good answer for her right away. Uh, and I may not, still not have something a good answer, but sometimes the original product is actually just the first idea. And that is the building block to something totally different and provides a comfortable, safe space to explore and create again. And I think that was the case with me to where, you know, I hadn't been writing for a while and then we decided to do this podcast. And so I had, we needed a theme song for a podcast. Every podcast needs a theme song. And so I sat down and was like, I know music. I know how to do this. I used to do this. I can do this again. And so, you know, this was a comfortable way for me to get back into writing. And at that time, uh, in the orchestra that I play in, I had been working on a piece by Florence Price. Florence Price was, in her day, a well-known female African-American composer, but she died in relative uh, obscurity. And it hasn't been until recently that manuscripts of her works have turned up again, and orchestras across the world are chomping at the bit to play her work. Her work is phenomenal. If you haven't listened to it, hop onto the YouTube, type in Florence Price, and and, uh, check it out. And so, you know, because she died in obscurity, you may think that I'm talking about a composer that lived like 200 years ago or something like that, but Florence Price actually died in 1953. Uh, so, and she, her big trademark was that she was incorporating the sounds of African-American culture and music into her music, uh, especially aspects of ragtime. And this was big because this was putting pop music and jazz and 
African-American spirituals and such uh, into the forefront with white audiences, and that made it spectacular uh, and um, really made people sit up and take notice of black culture in this country at a very early time. And so I mentioned Ragtime because Ragtime and the Concert March both came to prominence around the same time. And uh, that's going to get us into our first topic. So by now, you're probably wondering, when am I actually going to talk about wrestling? Uh, don't worry, it's, it's coming. But the theme of this episode really is about finding inspiration and in work uh, that already exists to create something new and just as special. Uh, none of the music discussed today is exactly just a piece of pre-existing classical music, like in the first episode with Pomp and Circumstance for Macho Man, or the, um, the also Sprock Zarathustra for Ric Flair. These pieces today that we're talking about are original creations, but have deep roots in classical music that was already written and known and familiar to your ear, and took advantage of that to instantly build the character for you. So, we're going to do a little housekeeping first. Uh, any use of non-public domain recordings in this episode are being used under fair use. The music samples are being used in an educational and for critical analysis. Uh, the clip should not interfere in the marketing of the original in any way. Um, so, um, you're, if you're going to sue us, you're trying to uh, get blood from a turnip here, basically. Also, a bit later in this episode, we're going to touch on some really dark and intense themes and get into some real technical music theory analysis. Uh, so put on your thinking caps. If discussions of Freud can trigger anything in you, maybe fast forward or something like that. But um, we're, we're going to be talking some, some deep material here. So I mentioned the concert march, I mentioned ragtime, uh, but we're going to hit the concert march and get into one of my personal favorite characters of all time in professional wrestling and someone that, you know, Tim gives me crap for liking, and that's going to be Doink the Clown. So Doink's uh, entrance music is inspired by the piece Entrance of the Gladiators by Czech composer Julius Fusik. Uh, and was composed in 1897. The march was in, originally entitled Grand Marche Chromatique due to its use of the chromatic scale and was intended to demonstrate the modern technology that has suddenly developed in brass instruments uh, and military bands, particularly the ability to have valves to play uh, notes that aren't just, you know, like a bugle. Fusik uh, had read the novel Quo Vadis by Heinrich uh, Sinkwitz, and the novel depicted a scene of gladiators entering the Roman Colosseum, and that was so moving to Fusik that he renamed the march to Entry of the Gladiators, or Entrance of the Gladiators. So in 1901, Carl Fisher, a famous American music publisher, uh, released a version of the march arranged by Louis-Philippe Larndreau with the title Thunder and Blazes. So American bands, especially circus bands, noticed the piece and adopted it as a screamer march, frequently used to announce the arrival of the clowns in circuses. So that brings us to a very specific type of music, and that is the screamer march. A screamer march is a specific type of march composition intended for circuses to stir up the audience 
So the uh, marches, thanks to the likes of John Philip Sousa and Henry Fillmore, were the pop music of the late 19th and 20th century, especially with the white audiences, ragtime with the black audiences. Uh, these marches were normally performed at breakneck speeds to fire up the crowd and work them up into a frenzy about to make whatever was happening in the circus just that much more scary and death-defying and exciting than what was really happening. Uh, so it was all part of the scam, all part of the mark uh, of of the concept. And so uh, what I'm going to play for you now is going to be a recording of Thunder and Blazes by Bozo's Circus Band. That's, that's basically Doink's theme, right? It's it's pretty much on the button. Doink's a clown. He's coming out. Now, Doink did have two themes. Doink had his evil theme, which I'll play for you a snippet of first. And then he had his good guy theme uh, that was titled Doinkin' Around. Great title, by the way. Uh, so, and here are those two themes. <laughs> Thank you. 
one certainly got a little weird there at the end, didn't it? Anyways, let's move on. So that is a clip of the opening theme from the movie Exodus. Um, you can pretty much hear Mr. Perfect's theme in there, right? It's it's almost there. So I'll be honest with you, I can't find a reason for the connection between Mr. Perfect's character and his persona to the movie. Uh, the Exodus is about the founding of the state of Israel. Uh, Kurt Hennig was not Jewish. For as much as we know, I don't believe he had a stake in Israeli-Arab relations. I don't know if he is a fan of Paul Newman or the composer Ernest Gold. But I do have a hypothesis on where this inspiration came from. And it's based on uh, music theory and Jim Johnston breaking it down. Just getting into the nitty gritty of how this piece works. So the distance between two musical notes is known as an interval. And intervals are labeled by... Uh, the number of notes between them, and whether the interval is major, minor, augmented, diminished, or perfect. There are three perfect intervals, the perfect fourth, the perfect fifth, and the perfect octave. I know this is kind of complicated, and this is just a quick glance off of music theory here. Uh, so, for example, the opening interval of Amazing Grace is a perfect fourth. Amaze. That's, that's a perfect fourth. Uh, the first notes uh, of Somewhere Over the Rainbow are a perfect octave. Somewhere. Okay, you with me? So, uh, a perfect fifth is like Star Wars or Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. So, twinkle, twinkle, little. So, that twinkle, twinkle, that's a perfect fifth. So, and then if you put a perfect fifth and then a perfect fourth together, you get a perfect octave. And the opening of the Exodus theme is just that, a perfect fourth, a perfect fifth, bringing an octave together. But after the Exodus theme quote, Jim Johnson sticks with repeating these intervals to form a melody. So, yeah, that kind of makes Mr. Perfect's theme perfect. So here is the theme to Mr. Perfect's entrance.
inside you are merely a mirror image of all my atrocities. The ugliness that exists outside lives inside every one of you. Destruction can be beautiful. The ascending lines with no vibrato give a cold, deathly feel to the music, an intimate, torturous expression. Those few lines that I just read are part of the narration that mankind uh, laid over his theme song. So, this driving non-stop escalation of tension is inspired by Sigmund Freud's concept of the death drive. Freud believed that humans are driven to death and destruction, summarized by his famous quote, the aim of all life is death. The outward manifestation of this drive to death is aggression towards other people, Meanwhile, this drive can also be expressed inwardly with self-harm. Freud noted that people who experience traumatic events would revisit or even try to recreate them. Mankind's promos and video vignettes frequently showed him as a child doing backyard wrestling, including a famous clip of him jumping from the roof of a garage through a table. His most infamous match spot of all time is the horrific moment at the 1998 King of the Ring when The Undertaker threw him from the top of the steel cage through the announce table to the floor, a drop of approximately 20 to 30 feet. Now this piece is heavily inspired uh, by Samuel Barber's Adagio for Strings. So Barber's Adagio seems to have actually been composed, though, with little sentiment. It was composed in 1936 in the modern era of art music. World War I had abruptly put a stop to the overly dramatic romanticism of the late German composers like Mahler. It had also ended the flowery mystical music of the French and English impressionists like W.C., Satie, and others. In the U.S., Samuel Barber was stuck in a place between Aaron Copeland, who was trying to evoke scenes of the Wild West with Hoedown and Rodeo, and Leonard Bernstein was really fascinated with popular music, and so there wasn't much room in the spotlight for Barber. But Barber stuck to his guns and remained composing in the grand style, as it was referred to, uh, composing concerti, symphonies, traditional chamber ensembles, and even operas. He would also be overshadowed by the avant-garde of the New York School, by the likes of John Cage. Uh, John Cage is famous for that 4 minutes and 33 seconds where it's a silence, the person just sits at a piano with a stopwatch. It's a bit deep. Anyways, uh, Samuel Barber was only 26 uh, when he composed this modern masterpiece, having rented a cottage just outside of Salzburg, Austria, where the inspiration for the Adagio hit him. It was originally the second movement of a string quartet, but was expanded for full string orchestra at the request of the famous Arturo Toscanini to be performed by the NBC Symphony. Now, 30 years prior to Barber's visit to Salzburg, uh, the 
first international psychoanalytic congress of Freud uh, met in Salzburg. It's now I, I now there's probably no connection there that that those that those paths would kind of cross like that, um, but you know it's it's fascinating that uh, after a visit there Samuel Barber would write a piece of music that would then that's considered one of the most beautiful pieces ever written. And then for that concept of that piece to be used to tie to mankind whose wrestling persona was the manifestation of Freud's death drive theory. It's, it's an interesting little connection. I think, um, now Samuel Barber seems to have left no real indications of what inspired this piece. But we, what we are left with is where it sits in our culture and how it makes us feel as a collective. The Adagio for Strings was used in the memorial for 9-11. It was played at FDR's funeral, the funeral of Albert Einstein, and most famously in the film Platoon. The major themes of the film are discomfort, confusion, horror, feel, and violence. Now, if I were asked to describe mankind and his character in professional wrestling, I believe those words would definitely be in my thesis paragraph for sure. So let's take a listen to uh, Samuel Barber's Adagio for Strings.
That was Arturo Toscanini and the NBC Symphony Orchestra performing the Adagio for Strings. And you just have to know that Samuel Barber was in the recording studio for that. Um, Fun fact, the studio that the NBC Symphony used to play on is now the Saturday Night Live stage. It's important to note that Mankind's exit music was different than his entrance music, and that exit music was a complete opposite of mood to the Ode to Freud Part 1 that he used to come down, or this play off of uh, Barber's Adagio for Strings. And it really played into the duality of his character and the important catharsis that the wrestling match and its violence was for his persona. So let's take a moment to listen to that. For that exit music, I don't know if they were listening to a lot of Vangelis at the time, the guy that did uh, Chariots of Fire, or if they were listening to a lot of Yanni, or maybe Enya, or some other New Age one-named artist. Um, but yeah, it's a total change of character, and and a release, almost. You can hear that tension at the very opening of, of, of Mankind. It sounds like Mankind's voice, almost. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a a deep dive into mankind, a dive into the theme of Mr. Perfect and into everyone's favorite lovable clown doink. So thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. You can check out all the WrestleManias at all the WrestleManias.com. You can check us out on the, on the X at, uh, at WrestleMania pod. You can email us at all the WrestleManias at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at all the WrestleManias.com. We're also on the Insta as all the WrestleManias. So check us out. Download some uh, downs, download some episodes and uh, check out uh, you know some the classical music collection at your local library or on Spotify and start listening. You know, listen and feel those connections. And because, you know, you wouldn't think that classical music and and professional wrestling have a lot in common. But there's a strong connection between the two. And uh, I hope I helped you realize that. So, uh, thanks for listening. Have a great day. My name is Rich. 
This is all the WrestleManias. Thank you.